climb from concept to implementation. Authors Anita Akai, Nathan Capito, Eliana Weavers, Karen Saperson, Wayaz Lathani, Sharon Cameron, and Ronald Sonadera from McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Introduction In recent years, medical educators have increasingly recognized the importance of drawing on the wisdom of crowds in assessment. Competency-based medical education, or CBME, models rely heavily on competence committees, or CCs, to distill assessment data from a variety of sources. These groups of educators are tasked with reviewing resident progress throughout their training, making decisions regarding the achievement of entrustable professional activities, and recommendations regarding promotion and remediation. CCs are considered an essential component of modern-day CBME curricula and have been mandated by national accrediting and or licensing bodies in Canada, the United States, and parts of Europe. National guidelines provide guidance on the makeup and function of CCs, but allow residency programs the flexibility and autonomy to design on specific features, such as their composition and size, how information is gathered and shared, the number of meetings, and the method of reporting. Each of these decisions can impact CC functioning, which may ultimately affect their decisions and recommendations. This directly impacts residents whose educational experiences are in part determined by the decisions and recommendations made by CCs, as well as residency programs, which have a social and legal obligation to produce competent medical professionals capable of providing safe and high quality patient care. To date, scholars have documented CC design and implementation within individual programs or drawn on literature from other domains to offer guidance to programs implementing CCs. A small number of studies have begun to explore specific aspects of CC decision-making processes and shed light on their role in solving problems at the learner and program levels. Fewer studies have collected empirical data on CC implementation practices, with most of these tending to focus on a single disciplinary context. Despite their importance in medical education curricula, there has not been a comprehensive, multi-program study of CC implementation practices since 2015, which predates the implementation of most CCs outside of the United States. This study examines CC implementation at a Canadian institution, documenting the shared and unique challenges that CCs faced and overcame over a three-year period, as well as adaptations and potential solutions with broader applicability. Methods Context and Design In 2014, the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, or RCPSC, announced that it would be requiring all residency programs across the country to transition to a CBME curriculum known as Competence by Design, or CBD. This transition began in a staggered fashion in 2017, with a certain number of disciplines launching nationally each year. Given this context, the Canadian landscape offered a unique opportunity to document a major transition in medical education as it unfolded in real time. This study took place at McMaster University, a mid-sized academic health sciences centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, with 57 specialty and subspecialty programs. It occurred in three phases between 2017 and 2020, which are shown in Figure 1 and described in the sections that follow. A multi-method approach involving interviews, surveys, and observations 
was used to examine CC implementation throughout the study period. Since CBD implementation in Canada follows a staggered approach, not all disciplines implemented CCs at the same time. However, some programs chose to pilot CCs prior to their scheduled transition to the new curriculum, such as by adapting committees that served a similar purpose, for example, residency program committees, or RPCs. Conceptual Framework Ryan Ellis and colleagues' notion of following a thread, a common approach to the integration of findings in mixed methods research, was used to guide the phased approach to data collection and analysis in this study. This technique involves uniting separate datasets, which can be obtained using different methodologies, through a common thread of more deeply understanding a particular phenomenon. Although each phase of the study involved slightly different methods and participants to help illuminate various aspects of CC implementation, analytic insights and outstanding questions from each phase informed subsequent phases of this research. Moreover, data from each phase was analyzed both separately and together, in other words, by considering the findings holistically, to develop a deeper understanding of the issues that CCs were grappling with at each stage of the implementation process. Phase 1, Pre-Implementation The first phase of the study took place between May 2017 and February 2018. During this time, most residency programs in Canada were pre-CBD implementation. Thus, most CCs were also in the planning stages, with a few pilot committees running for a short period of time. This phase of the study sought to capture key stakeholders' early perceptions and experiences of CC implementation. A proposive sample of 30 key stakeholders from across the institution was invited to participate in the study. Since a central list of existing CCs and chairs was not yet available, recruitment was conducted using an initial list of faculty and resident leaders in CBME, followed by a snowball sampling approach. Inclusion criteria for participants were having been involved in resident promotion and review processes within the last year, and or having held leadership roles in postgraduate medicine. These criteria helped ensure that participants had sufficient knowledge and experience to offer meaningful perspectives on CC implementation. Following consent, participants were sent a locally developed 14-item electronic survey to gauge their awareness of CCs, attitudes about CCs, and opinions about membership, existing resources, and workload. See Supplementary Material 1 for more information. The survey was coded in Lyme survey by the primary investigator, Anita Akai, a PhD candidate in psychology and health professions education at the time of the study. An initial draft of the survey was developed by Anita based on her initial observations of a pilot CC, with further input on the items sought from CBD leads at McMaster and a senior education scientist, Ronald Sonadera, who is also a CC member. Findings were summarized using descriptive statistics. Participants were also asked if they wished to take part in a brief follow-up interview that would further probe issues related to CC implementation using a qualitative descriptive design, which allowed for a rich description of participants' experiences. If they agreed, an interview was scheduled using the medium of their choosing, face-to-face -face or telephone. All interviews were audio recorded, transcribed, and de-identified prior to analysis. Analysis of the interviews took place using Braun and Clark's six-step approach to thematic analysis. Familiarizing oneself with the data, generating initial codes, 
searching for themes, reviewing themes, naming themes, and producing the final report. Each interview was coded by at least two investigators, Anita Akai, Nathan Cupido, and or Eliana Weavers, and regular meetings were held to ensure consensus with respect to the coding framework and themes as they evolved. Strategies to ensure the trustworthiness of the data included reflexive journaling, documenting the analytic process, and regular debriefing with experienced clinicians both within and outside of the research team. Phase 2, Early Implementation, One-Year Mark This phase took place in January 2019. During this time, the earliest CCs had been in operation for one year, and more were being implemented across the institution. A 38-item electronic survey, coded in SurveyGizmo, was developed by the primary investigator, Anita Akai, in collaboration with a team of clinicians and administrators, Wayez Latani, Karen Saperson, and Sharon Cameron, from McMaster's Postgraduate Medical Education Office. See Supplementary Material 2 for more information. The purpose of the survey was to develop an in-depth understanding of CCs, including their membership, meeting frequency, orientation practices, and decision-making procedures. Input on the survey design was sought from three CC chairs external to the study. An invitation to participate in the survey was sent to all CC chairs, N equals 35, at McMaster University. A follow-up email was sent several weeks later. Quantitative survey data were summarized using descriptive statistics, while open-ended responses were reviewed by the primary investigator and grouped into themes. Phase 3, Late Implementation, Two-Year Mark. This phase took place in June and July 2020, at which time the earliest CCs had been in operation for over two years and many more disciplines had begun their transition to CBD. During this time, the primary investigator invited 20 CC members to participate in a telephone interview investigating how their perceptions and experiences of CC implementation had evolved over time. The 20 invited members consisted of all known resident members of a CC, N equals 6, whose perspectives as learners were considered important and potentially unique, along with CC members from a variety of disciplines who had previously expressed an interest in participating in research on CCs, N equals 14. The same data collection and analysis procedures were used as in the qualitative strand of the pre-implementation phase. Observations between August 2017 and May 2020, the primary investigator, Anita Akai, observed 16 CC meetings across nine disciplines and took detailed notes during each meeting. For two CCs, she attended and recorded three to four meetings per year for a one and two year period respectively. For others, she attended one or two meetings per committee and used these experiences to compare implementation practices across disciplines. Notes from the observations were used to contextualize and triangulate data from the interviews and surveys. Ethics Approval This study was approved by the Hamilton Integrated Research Ethics Board, HIREB 4248. Results Phase 1 Pre-Implementation Of the 30 individuals contacted, 25 or 83% responded to the invitation to participate. Of these 25 participants, 22, or 88%, completed the survey, and 24, or 96%, participated in an interview. Additional demographic information is provided in Table 1. A detailed summary of the survey findings is provided in Table 2. 
Overall, faculty were more confident that CCs would improve decision-making processes and educational outcomes for residency programs, 93% and 71% respectively, than residents, 50% and 63% respectively. A greater number of faculty, 79%, than residents, 25%, were supportive of faculty external to a residency program being included as CC members, while the opposite was true for residents serving as CC members, who were supported by 75% of residents and 57% of faculty, respectively. Neither faculty, 14%, nor residents, 13%, were supportive of patients and individuals outside of the medical education community serving as CC members. Qualitative findings largely corroborated the survey results, highlighting participants' belief that CCs would increase the credibility and defensibility of resident promotion and review processes. However, the interviews also revealed some additional challenges, such as those related to program size. Large programs were perceived to struggle with workload, while small programs with managing pre-existing relationships between faculty and residents. Program size also appeared to be linked to CC's perceived mandate, such that smaller programs had a broader mandate when it came to tasks such as engaging in faculty and resident development or overseeing learning plans. A potential source of concern was that some participants, especially resident non-members, described CCs as a black box. While they understood the overall concept, they were uncertain about the mechanics of how decisions would be made and the impact that this would have on their training experience. Key findings and quotes from the qualitative portion of this phase are provided in Table 3. Phase 2. Early Implementation. One-year mark. Survey responses were received from 15 out of 35 chairs, reflecting a 43% response rate. Of these, 14 programs, or 93%, reported having a CC, with 11, or 79% of these, being fully functional, or in other words, meeting and reviewing residents regularly, and the other three meeting for planning and or training purposes, but not yet reviewing residents on a regular basis. Across the programs that reported having CCs, see Supplementary Material 3 for a complete listing, five represented small programs with 1 to 9 residents, five represented mid-sized programs with 10 to 39 residents, and four represented large programs with 40 or more residents. CC size ranged between five and nine members. Five programs, or 36%, reported having at least one resident as a member, and nine, or 64%, reported having at least one external member. External members constituted allied health professionals, faculty from another program, or PhD-trained researchers such as education scientists. 71% of CCs met quarterly, and 50% reported providing their members with some form of orientation or training, most often involving a presentation on the CC's role and or a hands-on activity with simulated resident files. Consistent with the Royal College guidelines, all CCs reported reviewing each resident at least twice per year. CBD academic advisors are faculty responsible for coaching and guiding an assigned number of residents through their training program. Most CCs, or 79%, reported having a CBD academic advisor system in place. However, there was variability in how this role was operationalized. There was no set way of choosing academic advisors with individuals serving in this role, ranging from longitudinal clinical supervisors to faculty who were selected by the program director to CC members themselves, particularly in smaller programs. 
In some cases, the only engagement was one or two meetings between the resident and the advisor per year, whereas in others, the advisor was regularly invited to attend CC meetings and report on the resident's progress. 79% of CCs did not have a set time limit for file review and spent as much time as needed on each file. Residents who were not progressing as expected were allotted much more time for review than residents who were performing well. On average, CCs spent approximately 5 to 10 minutes per resident file, but on occasion could spend up to half an hour discussing residents who were not progressing as expected. The average length of each CC meeting was between 1 and 3 hours, depending on the size of the program. There were also notable differences in how committees engaged in the review process, in part due to their size. Smaller programs were often able to engage in an in-depth review of each resident file as a committee. However, in larger programs, CCs had to rely on a member assignment system in which one or two members were responsible for summarizing the assessment data in each resident file and making a recommendation to the committee. On average, each CC member reviewed between two and six files per meeting. At the time of the survey, members were using a range of electronic platforms to share data securely. Learning how to fully take advantage of these technologies was a challenge, as was cross-referencing between systems while programs transitioned to a single, institutionally recommended platform. It was also common for CCs to encounter missing or incomplete assessment data during the promotion and review process, as residents did not always trigger assessments and faculty did not always fill them out. Thus, identifying and reporting on areas for faculty and resident development to the RPC became an important part of CC's rules, although other aspects of CC's mandate were still being defined. For example, while respondents felt that a clear advantage of CC's was that they helped identify residents in need of support much earlier on in their training than previous processes, programs were still grappling with the extent to which they should be involved in the development of learning and remediation plans. At the time of the survey, just over half, or 57% of CCs, believed that providing input into residents' learning and remediation plans was a part of their mandate. Phase 3, Late Implementation, 2-Year Mark Of the 20 individuals contacted, 12, or 60%, responded to the invitation to participate. Additional demographic information is provided in Table 4. Key findings and quotes from this phase are provided in Table 5. Observations and follow-up interviews from CCs in the late phases of implementation revealed that many committees had begun to streamline their processes, which led to greater efficiency during meetings. Some members felt that a clear advantage of CCs was that they reduced the workload placed on individual committee members, as previous processes required a single individual, usually the program director, to review every resident file on their own. Other members, however, suggested that the workload for CC members was still high. On average, committee members reported spending approximately half an hour per resident on file reviews prior to attending a CC meeting, which could amount to between one and three hours of preparation time, depending on the number of files reviewed. Phase 3 of the study also followed up on perceptions around CC membership. While some programs continued to feel strongly about residents not being CC members, those that included learners reported that they brought an important perspective to the committee. Importantly, residents who had served on CCs considered their experience to be an excellent learning opportunity that gave them confidence in their program's approach to resident promotion and review. Some programs also found it valuable to include PhD-trained researchers or faculty from other disciplines as CC members,
as these individuals could help ensure that the committee was applying evaluation criteria consistently and remained accountable for its actions. Discussion As medical education shifts towards embracing the wisdom of crowds and assessment, studying how CCs operate can provide insight into group decision-making processes and medical education. This study examined CC implementation at a Canadian institution, documenting the shared and unique challenges that CCs faced and overcame over a three-year period, as well as adaptations and potential solutions with broader applicability. Variability in Assessment Practices Consistent with the existing literature, this study found considerable variability in how CCs were implemented across disciplines. This is not unexpected, as national guidelines allow for flexibility and autonomy in adapting CCs to meet program-specific needs. From a scholarly perspective, examining the variability in CC implementation practices can give rise to unique research insights into the challenges that these committees are facing and what adaptations are perceived as helpful for overcoming them. Future research could then examine the impact of these adaptations on CC's decisions and recommendations, which can provide further insight into group decision-making processes and medical education. Adapting to Program Size The findings of this study suggest that at least some of the variability inherent in CC implementation practices may be due to program size. Smaller programs have fewer faculty, which may lead to an overlap in the structure and function of educational committees, such as CCs and RPCs. These overlapping structures may mean that CCs in smaller programs adopt a broader mandate, while in larger programs, tasks related to resident education may be more discreet and handled by different committees. Pre-existing relationships between faculty and residents and dual roles of CC members, such as that of a coach and an assessor, may also be more likely in smaller programs, which can have both positive and negative implications. On one hand, pre-existing relationships can provide helpful context when there are contradictions or gaps in assessment data, thus aiding in decision-making. On the other, they can pose a threat to CC decision-making if CC members fail to remain impartial and are inconsistent in their application of promotion criteria across different residents. Future studies could explore which of these scenarios is more likely and under what circumstances. Optimizing membership. Previous literature on group decision-making has identified the importance of diverse committee membership in ensuring robust decision-making processes, as this enables data to be considered from multiple lenses and helps reduce groupthink. Nonetheless, the findings of the present study suggest that optimizing CC membership is not always a simple task. While some articles have suggested a role for patients as CC members, participants in the present study did not support this idea, as patients and individuals outside of the medical education community were perceived to lack the context needed to meaningfully comment on learner performance. Therefore, a common adaptation was to invite members who were external to the program, but still had some context about the work of a CC, such as PhD-trained researchers or faculty from other disciplines. This helped create opportunities to share best practices and build capacity across programs while also keeping CCs accountable for their decisions. Another decision that CCs grappled with was whether to include residents as members. Guidelines for clinical competency committees from the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education in the United States suggest that chief residents may make suitable members. However, other guidelines for CCs, such as those from the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, are silent on this topic. 
While some stakeholders may see resident membership on a CC as valuable professional development in a self-regulated profession, others may worry about the potential conflicts of interest that may arise in having residents evaluate their peers. It is noteworthy that in this study, programs that chose to include residents as CC members reported very positive experiences, including residents themselves. Programs that remain unsure about whether to include residents as members may find it helpful to involve them in deciding about this matter, such as through discussions at the RPC level. Programs that do include resident members should ensure that they have clear guidelines for managing conflicts of interest and confidentiality, while those that do not may wish to consider alternative ways of facilitating learner engagement, such as through the establishment of a CBME working group to help inform curriculum implementation. Engaging Residents Despite their central focus on improving resident education, CBME programs still often struggle with engaging learners. For example, a 2019 study on resident perceptions of CBD in Quebec revealed that 74% of participants found CC processes nebulous and their decisions ill-defined, despite having operated under CBD for a year. This challenge was also identified in the present study, in which residents who were not CC members often had the impression that CCs were a black box in terms of their decision-making processes. Given the importance of stakeholder engagement in ensuring the successful implementation of CBME, it is important that programs liaise with residents to explain CC decision-making processes and ensure that they understand the expectations they must fulfill as learners. In addition to improving engagement, this may also help to increase the amount of data available to CCs, as many programs reported that residents were not initiating assessments as often as required. Aside from involving residents as CC members where appropriate, specific strategies for improving engagement among residents include creating an assessment roadmap that shows where assessment opportunities exist during specific rotations, and providing residents with timely feedback from CC meetings via letter or debriefing session with the chair or program director. Another idea may be to invite residents to speak to their performance in front of the committee committee to identify development opportunities more collaboratively, which could help foster agency and build accountability. This would be consistent with other decision-making bodies that evaluate professionals, such as tenure and promotion committees for faculty. Maintaining capacity among members. This study also identified variability in CC's abilities to maintain capacity among their members, which is aligned with the long-standing tension between resident education and service provision that has been reported in the literature. This suggests a need to develop strategies for rewarding and managing faculty workload, including assigning merit points for individuals who serve on CCs, assigning a set number of reviewers per file, having members come to meetings having pre-reviewed their files to increase efficiency, and where possible, rotating members on a regular basis. In this study and elsewhere, some CCs chose to involve academic advisors, as defined by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, in file reviews to reduce the burden on individual committee members. Although potentially inevitable in smaller programs, having CC members double as academic advisors can make it challenging to ensure that advisors are appropriately trained to interpret assessment data and able to attend CC meetings when required. There may also be an inherent conflict of interest in asking faculties to serve as both advisors and file reviewers, as the coaching offered by advisors may lo no longer be perceived as formative. 
In general, the findings of this study also show that the role of the academic advisor is interpreted differently across programs, suggesting a need to clarify how this role is expected to interface with CCs. Sharing and aggregating data. Given the increasing volume of assessment data to be handled by CCs, developing robust solutions for sharing and aggregating data represents a promising future direction for research on CCs. This is especially relevant given the onset of COVID-19, which has resulted in the need for CCs to conduct meetings virtually. While many CCs are now using a common institutional platform, ongoing member training and further development of platform functionality to meet CCs' needs are required. Technology should not replace the in-depth discussion that occurs during CC meetings. However, it can create efficiencies in some areas, such as by pre-flagging residents for review based on certain criteria, or allowing data to be aggregated and more easily visualized. Developing a clear mandate. In this study, participants' perspectives of CC's rules and CBME were variable and still evolving. Pack and colleagues suggested that in practice, CCs play an important role in supporting resident development and the continuous improvement of educational programs. Most CCs in the present study recognized the need to engage in resident and faculty development. However, there was variability in the extent to which CCs were involved in the development of learning plans. As noted earlier, this may depend on program size. Another notable finding was that CCs spent more time discussing residents with performance concerns than residents who were doing well. Previous research suggests that offering development opportunities to all residents, including those performing well, is important. Clearly defining CCs' mandate, which may depend on contextual factors such as program size, will help committees better enact their charge and ensure that they are appropriately supported in their work. Limitations and Future Directions this study was conducted at a single institution, which may limit its generalizability to other centers. Although sampling was broad and across multiple programs, it is recommended that future research take a multi-site approach that compares CC implementation nationally and internationally. Moreover, since the purpose of this study was to document the challenges and adaptations of CCs, the findings represent considerations as opposed to consensus-based recommendations. Future studies might seek to evaluate which adaptations are effective in supporting CC's mandate and ensuring the integrity of their decision-making processes. Conclusion CCs represent a promising addition to residency programs with the potential to improve the credibility and defensibility of resident promotion and review processes. Nonetheless, CCs can face a variety of challenges as they move through the various stages of the implementation process, including adapting to program size, optimizing membership, engaging residents, maintaining capacity among members, sharing and aggregating data, and developing a clear mandate. The findings of this study reinforce the importance of resident engagement and information sharing between disciplines. Multi-site implementation studies, including across national boundaries, could examine whether the challenges identified in this study are applicable beyond a single institutional context and promote the sharing of best practices. Future research could also explore which adaptations lead to better or worse decision-making outcomes. Mm -hmm.